Oh, hello there, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of Gutsy Media Podcast. My guest today is longtime friend and co-collaborator on Those Geeks You Know, Dave Lee. We discussed 2018 superhero horror movie Brightburn, starring Elizabeth Banks and Jackson Dunn. What a crazy movie this was. Uh, my local spotlight this episode is an absolute favorite of mine, Tony's Birdland, located at 3860 Dewey Avenue. Tony's Birdland has been a go-to place when it comes to great food and friendly atmosphere. Ask anyone I've ever gone to dinner with, Tony's Birdland is always my suggestion. Their popcorn chicken and signature sauces have just the right amount of bite and flavor combo. Tony's Birdland, try them. You'll like it. Trust me. And now, on with the show. So, okay, so we we had a little trouble coming up with a movie. Um, I I take the approach of I really want the the guest to pick the movie. Some people go with, oh, this is my favorite movie. You got to check it out. Some people are like, well, here's a movie I've never seen before either and I've wanted to see. And other people, it's like, you know, just here's a bizarre movie that I think you should watch because it'd be fun to talk about. Um, you asked me. Uh, so I, I think every movie fan slash, you know, pop culture fan has a list of videos or movies or games or whatever um i am no different i have a list of movies that i've been wanting to watch and just haven't found the time they're not they're not the blockbuster at the top of my list right um and you asked for my list i sent it to you and you picked the movie bright burn off of it why this movie of all the other ones so the reason i didn't just come up with a movie is because i feel like we've seen a lot of the same movies mm-hmm. um we have discussed a lot of the same movies and have and notorious opposite opinions we do. on a lot of movies. We do, uh, but we've discussed those at nausea to nausea on other podcasts. Um, <laughs> uh, so, and and I kind of wanted to watch something I haven't seen um, because I love doing that. I love watching movies. I love seeing new movies. I miss like when Tuesday movie releases were like a thing because nothing's been coming out due to covid um like when this whole thing first started like every tuesday i go to redbox and i get whatever movie came out uh whether it was birds of prey i watched uh just a handful of movies and now it's like nothing you know Mm -hmm. um so when you gave me the list i'd been wanting to see brightburn since it was in theaters i just i missed it in theaters i just didn't have time where we went and saw other stuff instead but i mean it's a james gunn flick so it's like his first thing since uh guardians and that whole so yeah so james gunn is credited as a producer on this movie um the writers of the movie are brian gunn and mark gunn i'm assuming some sort of brothers cousins yeah i know i know what's his name sean i think is his brother the one that's in all his movies Mm um i I saw the same thing during the credits i was like oh yeah it does got to be related i'm sure casey would know um but yeah i'm assuming they are related to him in some some way yeah. But, so I figured James Gunn, like James Gunn, uh, the concept to me is super original and something we all have wondered. Like it, it's it was kind of pitched and marketed, in, if I remember correctly, as what would happen if Superman was bad. 
because it's this it's the same story this right ship crashes in kansas to farmers which is crazy to me that because i mean this is a relatively simple concept i'm surprised it took somebody so long to do it at least on this sort of blockbuster um i mean i don't want to say high budget because the budget was only six to twelve million dollars depending on what source you look up but um you know this this kind of blockbuster type scale yeah i think the reason is just because and they had to make and this is one of the things i was most interested about this movie they had to make the decision quick what route are we going because superman being bad as i air quote to people at home um <laughs> how far are you going with this right um, cuz i mean super we we oftentimes joke as you have you mentioned several times is that you know, Warner Brothers or DC has two comic books or two uh, main characters, the guy who can do everything and the guy who has everything. Superman is the guy who could do everything. I mean, if he wanted to, he he could rule the galaxy, you know, because he has the power to do so. He could take the world. So you're going to make him a bad guy. I mean, he can be the bad guy. Yeah, I mean. So. You had to figure out how far you were going to go with this. Like, how bad are you going to make him? Is he just kind of bad? He hurts like ants with a magnifying <laughs> glass or something? Or is he, like, legit fucking evil? Um, so I was very interested to see which route they went. But I think it takes a special group to decide to go full. Fully, We're fully going. He is all-powerful, and he is bad. Like, people don't often want... I feel like that's what took so long for somebody else to do this movie is because you have to be willing to cross that line. And a lot of times in movies that they're bad, but they're not bad. You know what I mean? Right. Like they do some stuff, they defend themselves and use their powers on accident or something like that. But like they're not going out actively looking to hurt people. And you, so I was super interested because this movie, I wanted to see um, how far they took it. And if they turned it into a horror movie, because I got those vibes too from some of the trailers, and I was like, "This could be really interesting." Which they did. They yeah. they turned this into a horror movie, um, for better or for worse. Yeah, yeah, for better. I or think it's correct. It, so James Gunn and a lot of the and a lot of the press I saw for this movie, James Gunn is uh, they don't really call it out specifically, but it's hinted at that it was this was his idea. Um, that he kind of pitched the idea, and then Mark and Brian, who again I'm assuming are relatives. Uh, decided to sit down and actually write the story and with his help get it made. Um, Elizabeth Banks is the star. She plays the mom. uh, Pretty big name. She's basically the only big name in the movie. Um, David Denman, who is uh, credited from Roy from from The the Office. office. He's probably the second biggest name, and that is not saying much because he's not a big name at all. Um, The The dude from, sorry, the dude from Breaking Bad. Is, is is the uncle oh yeah that's um one of the meth matt, heads i forget his name matt jones i think is his name something yeah something very basic like that yeah yeah matt jones he plays noah who is brutally murdered by his nephew but um so where do we where do we start with this movie? where do we start um, so here's, well, he, here's my issue Here's, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. We're gonna come out guns a blazing right now. Well, can I ask you a question first? Yeah, go ahead. What were your expectations? I didn't have much. Um, I saw the trailer, same as you. I thought that it was an interesting concept. You know, what if Superman was bad? And I kind of anticipated seeing like a 
mildly horror superhero movie. Um, cause I mean, obviously when you, when you talk about Superman being bad, his ability to do bad is, is it's there. I mean, yeah, infinite. Exactly. I think, <laughs> I think the movie is, is lacking in two major areas. Just I two? think the, just two. Okay. I think the concept is good. I think some of the execution is good. I think the issues are. The runtime for this movie is exactly 90 minutes. Exactly. I think that's an issue. Um, I think it, we're at 23 minutes when we see her, see him break the girl's hand, which is really the turning point when he starts becoming like brutally bad. Um, and at 23 minutes into the movie, I don't care about him. I don't care about the family. I have nothing invested at this point. So my issue is I, I the, the rest of the movie is uh, isn't there's not much there. I mean, I'm seeing him do these things and I don't, I don't have any care as to who he's doing them to or his story plot. Yeah. So, I mean, my biggest takeaway was <laughs> there was zero struggle. He's right. Mowing the, he's mowing the lawn and chucks the lawnmower across the farm. And then like the next scene, I don't remember exactly how it went, but I think the next scene he breaks the hands or he fucked with the chickens. Like one, like there was no, there was no internal battle of do I want to be bad? I've been raised by these people my whole life. They've treated right. me pretty good. Nothing. Just oh, I just threw a fucking lawnmower and stuck my hand in the blade, and I was fine. Uh, now I'm Which, gonna start for the record. People. He chucked that lawnmower like 300 yards, and then when he went to go get it, it's it's still running. Like is that lawnmower made out of industrial steel. What is that? Yeah, um, it was it was a little dented. But but yeah, I mean that's the thing. There wasn't really much character development here, so he went from like zero to sixty pretty quickly. And I kind of thought, like, oh yeah, why not? I mean, he's a twelve year old kid who just found out he's you know God. Uh, of course, he's not going to understand the severity of his actions and the repercussions and so on. But I think the other big thing this movie was lacking is there was no counterbalance. And I understand the premise of it being a horror film, and you don't oftentimes see a counterbalance to, to Michael Myers or to Freddy Krueger. It's usually just some random teenage kid or whatever. But I think when you're doing a superhero-type movie, you've got to have the counterbalance of you know some sort of good aspect. Because, I mean, as you got later in the film and this kid starts you know really letting loose... I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, there's no stopping him. There's, there's, there's nothing else in the world that exists that that's going to stop him. So it wasn't until, uh, towards the end of the film, his mother, Elizabeth Banks realizes that, oh, the, for whatever reason, which they don't go into detail at all, the ship that he came down in, um, you know, a lot, like if he gets cut by that, he bleeds and nothing else hurts him. So I'm going to stab him with the ship, which even that was like three minutes he finds out and then kills her. I don't know. I just, I, I, I think you needed to have a longer movie with more character development. And I think you needed a counterbalance for this, you know, abrupt evil in this child. Yeah. So I completely agree with the length. Like I remember sitting down, Kate, my wife was like, Kate was like, I don't know if I can, it was like eight fifteen. She's like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to stay up for this whole thing. And I'm like, it'll be over in by 10. Like <laughs> we'll be fine. <laughs> She watched the whole thing. So, like, I agree with the runtime. Like, I needed more character development. I think the thing with the counterbalance to me is Michael has his sister. Michael Myers has his sister. Right. So, in this movie, to me, it should have been the mom. However, 
there was no, like I said, like the counterbalance would have been enhanced had he given a shit, had he had any remorse or hesitation at hurting his mom or dad, his mom could, then then that's the internal struggle. Like, do I go all the way evil? I can do whatever I want, but I have to, I have to kill my mom. I have to turn this page. There was no struggle. There was no hesitation. Zero. Yep. Nothing. So I think that hurts because that hurts her character. It hurts the counterbalance because he doesn't care about her. So maybe she's never going to be his equal on a physical or power level, but she might have been able to mentally become his equal. I felt like if he would have hesitated or cared that this person that raised him, he was going to hurt. Yeah. If he had remorse at all. I mean, he, he does some pretty awful things in the movie. Um, and at no point in time, I mean, if anything, you see him like actively cover up or present a I don't care attitude when confronted with some of the actions he's taken. And yeah, same thing. I mean, I, you just felt that even if the mom did make an effort to like lovingly try to stop him, she, she wasn't going to get through to him anyway. So it, it was kind of a, right. a waste. And yeah, that that really disappointed me. The thing, and also the thing with the ship and the ship being all that could hurt him, like way too obvious a reveal. As soon as that happened, because like three minutes before, the dad Roy was like, "He's never had a cut. He's never bled." And then like the next scene, he cuts his hand on this thing. And I look at Kate, and I'm like, "Well, there. That's the only thing that can hurt him." There you go. That's his kryptonite from his planet. Again, staying on the Superman theme. The only thing that can hurt him is the thing that he came in. Like, so here's here's the thing I love though, and here's the only really um, redeeming factor. Redeeming, thank you. yeah, redemptive. The, the only redemptive factor of this movie is the end. Mm-hmm. And when I say end, I mean literally like the last two minutes. They reveal that he is not only so. So you get this like TV. Um, show or like a deep web you know youtube channel where this crazy person is talking about all these super evil creatures throughout the planet and you get this evil uh flash evil aquaman some ghouly you know woman who wraps people up in ropes so it's obviously wonder woman reference uh, and then obviously you have Brightburn as the Superman reference, and it's like, oh, it's an evil Justice League. You're, you're gonna go the full, you're gonna do the full gambit. Let's let's do this. Let's give me the origin stories. Show me the evil Justice League crossover. Um, but again, I need a counter to that. I, I need I need the good Lex Luthor. I need the good Joker. For more, yeah, and I need it for more than an hour and a half. Like if you're gonna tell me the background stories, the origin stories, I, I need more. I need to care. Um, I like the end because, again, while we said what, what I said at the beginning about how this movie they had to decide they were going to go full, they went fucking full. Like, mm-hmm. just mur- he just murders people in brutal fashion. Sometimes I thought corny and bad CGI, but and then the plane thing, I thought that was cool because he makes that decision that now he's actually going to just kill all innocent people and not just Which, people and- he knew. And that's that's the the Superman thing, right? Like you always see in the comic book or in the movie, the Superman is saving the 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 jet from you know crashing in. It was in the Keanu Reeves one. It was in the remake, um, uh, Superman Returns. It's been in the comic book a ton of times. Um, so so yeah, we are we are jumping around a little bit. And, and the only reason why I'm not too worried about that is because this this movie storyline is exactly what you think this movie storyline would be. So it's Superman's origin. Um, the movie picks up with uh, Elizabeth Banks and her husband, David uh, 
Den- Denman. I wish you call him Roy. Right, Elizabeth, yeah. and, Elizabeth and Roy are literally in bed getting ready to do it. And they're no. making all these comments wow. of like, can't wait till we have kids. Yeah. Let's try us again so we can have a kid. We yeah. really want a kid. And then, and then the spaceship crash lands in the backyard. And one thing I do like is they didn't go into extraordinary length of like, oh, we're going to go out. We're going to find the child. What are we going to do with it? It's just the opening montage is all these photos of the baby growing up. Like you automatically know what happened. They found the child and they're raising it as their own. And the movie picks up with uh, the child at the age of 12. Um, there is some less than subtle hints that the kid is going through puberty. They find like some magazine cutouts under his bed. Um, and much like Clark Kent's parents did, the the Elizabeth and Roy decide to save the spaceship. They have it hidden in the barn that the child was found in. And this this spaceship suddenly turns on and starts like demonically telling the child to like kill everybody and take over the world. Take the world. Yeah. I actually really liked that opening segment. I liked getting to know the kid through him growing and getting older through the, the, the recordings and the, like, I liked that they did that because they saved themselves time. We didn't have to watch that. And it made him kind of human for a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so I really, I really liked that part. I was really into the movie. Um, the spaceship, like, it, so it just randomly turns on on, like, his 12th birthday. Like, I, I almost wish there was some kind of story there. Um, yeah, I mean, either give me more about that as to why the spaceship is doing this, or don't use a spaceship as the catalyst for the boy's change. I mean, and here's the other thing. I agree with you. I like the opening montage and how they kind of race through, like, you guys know the origin story. We're just going to kind of skip it. But the problem is, is that it makes the drastic turn the child takes later so drastic because you do see like, oh, he was raised in a good family. He has every reason to be a good kid. And now suddenly he decides to be possessed by Satan. Like it's a, it's, it's, it makes it too dramatic. And um, do you think, do you, did you notice in the movie, I think they're playing hide and seek. And the dad's like, don't go in the barn. I don't want you going in the barn with all the nails and the boards and all yeah. that stuff. Now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, probably pretty obvious. But it was because, do you think it was that? Or do you think he was concerned about the ship and him finding the ship? I mean, I guess it could have been the ship. But on the same token, the ship is shown like under the floorboards, locked up with a, a padlock and some chains. You can't imagine the kids going to randomly come across it. Um, so I mean, I guess that could have been an allusion to that. The other thing is right before the father's like, Oh, don't go in the barn. I've told you this a thousand times. Elizabeth Banks makes the comment to the kid like, Oh, you're always hiding in the barn. Wait, wait, which is it? Is he always in the barn or is he never in the barn? Right. And like, that's the thing. So was the ship calling him before, or is this just all like, he liked to hide in the barn. His first, his first nut hair popped out and the ship was like, now's time. Now's the time to take over the world. I almost wonder, and again, jumping around, I apologize, but I almost wonder if for the counterbalance and if they do a sequel, because the movie made money versus the budget. Yes, yeah, so the, the movie makes $33 million, um, so uh, almost three times the budget, even at the high end. It, if, so for all account and purposes, it is it is a successful movie. Yeah, so I'm wondering if there will be the other side of that. I kind of half expected the girl since she was such an integral character. And because he ends up killing the girl's mom, I almost expect the girl to be, and because she 
kind of stuck up for him. She was like, the smartest people are the ones that rule the world or whatever she told him when she when he was getting bullied. Like, I almost wonder if, if there's something with her. Yeah, so David, I'm going to butcher this name like I always do. David Yarovsky is the director on this. Um, he has directed nothing else. Um, some some shorts. He had two episodes of a TV series called Team Unicorn and a video game that he directed. Um, but he is credited for a short documentary called Bright Burn Hero Horror. Um, not sure what that's about, but there's got to be a sequel either. But this is also low budget. So the fact that, I mean, there might not be a sequel. Who knows? She's literally the only other character. Out of all the school kids, she's the only one they put any attention and energy into. Yeah, I mean, every every character in this movie is either a relative of his or somebody he murders. Yeah, just forgettable. Like the kids, the one kid at school that picks on him. Um, yeah. So I, I did wonder that. I wondered if we see something to do with her. Well, that's so that's the other thing. You mentioned the kids at school that pick on him. There, there really is nobody that picks on him. Like... The girl calls him a name one time, and that's because he's already acting really creepy. So this, you don't get this idea like, oh, here's a kid's been beaten down by society, and he's you know lashing out. You don't well, get she, that sense either, right? She called him a creep because before that he was in her window. Yeah, like so, the only the only time he got picked on was the one kid who's like, "You're weird" or something like that. When he starts going off about when the teacher asks him a question, he starts like expanding on the answer. Right. The, the one kid um says something to him, like picks on him a little bit, but like that's that's your straw. Like <laughs> that's that's it. Now I must slaughter everybody. Yeah. So I, he he starts developing these powers. He realizes he's got super strength and he can fly and um he gets drawn to the spaceship, deciphers this language the spaceship is speaking to him in, and the spaceship is telling him to take the world and he has a bad run in with the girl at school, ends up crushing her hand, which causes the mom of the girl to like freak out that this kid's being a crazy person. So he goes after the mom, sneaks out and goes to her work and like brutally murders her, uh, winds up killing all the chickens on the farm. Um, once he crushes the girl's hand, like the counselor at school, who's also his aunt because he lives in a small podunk which, town, which would never happen like <laughs> like he, my, my wife the therapist is like no like no she can't see him they would call someone else in you would hire they, someone specifically for this case and they address this the the aunt's like i know it's weird that i'm also your your guidance counselor but you know we've only got three teachers in the whole town so it's just some like, throwaway line that's completely ridiculous i just don't get it so the, the counselor played by his aunt is making comments to him about how she's got to evaluate him to make sure that he's okay and report back to the sheriff and the principal and the mom and the other four people in town. And the kid, for whatever reason, rather than just pretend to be cool and normal, decides, like, well, I can't let her report back, so I'm going to kill my aunt. But right. then doesn't. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Speaking of the sheriff. When they're investigating the mom's murder, the, the girl's mom's murder, this dude is, like, looking at stuff and then randomly just breathes on the window to see the symbol. Like, something just told him, I'm, I'm going to breathe on this window. 
So I got a feeling this kid drew a bunch of symbols. Someone drew a bunch of symbols all over this place. What's what's even better is the kid's name is Brandon Breyer. And the symbol he makes is like this. I can't even describe it. It's 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 similar like the S's you used to make on your folder when you were a kid using all the lines, mm-hmm. but it's essentially two B's that are back to back. But you wouldn't you're not gonna look at this symbol and go, oh, that's clearly two B's. The sheriff finds the symbol, goes to the kid's house twice, and then shows it to his mom. So, you know, I saw this symbol at a crime scene and immediately thought it was two B's. And they must stand for the initials of the 12 year old boy who was involved in this murder. Like, what? So, what? I agree that I don't like that was far fetched. But, like, now that I'm thinking about it, like, he's the kid is connected to both people. It's his uncle and. And it's the mom of the girl that he got in trouble about. But the kid is 12. I mean, you can't tell me if you're a sheriff and you come to this conclusion like, oh, this kid is connected to he both murders. Just, he did just cripple that girl's hand, though. Like, he, he's the sheriff 12. Already, did you see what he did to the hand? That's crazy. That, there's no way you're coming to that logically. I agree. But as I'm as we're talking about it, I agree that it was kind of crazy that the sheriff was like, first off, goes around breathing on people's windows, which is fucking <laughs> And then, like, he draws the symbol in blood after he like decapitates the meth dude from Breaking Bad, his uncle. Right. And so he so he goes he goes to the aunt's house to, to presumably kill her because he shows up in the middle of the night and is in full you know uh, bright burn get up because he's got this this mask he made out of his laundry socks. One more thing. Well, how did this? How how does a guidance counselor and whatever this dude uncle does for a living have like <laughs> the have like the most high tech? security system ever like it's talking to her in the house intruder in the backyard yeah like she's a guidance counselor she probably makes like 35k a year nothing wrong with that but i'm just saying like she has the same security system as the bat cave intruder alert it's a way better security system than i thought she should have had and just i was just like wow that's that's random for this farm person to have this like crazy security system so the the kid shows up, and rather than go all ballistic on the aunt, he decides to like just nicely knock on the door and be like, "Hey, don't go talk to the sheriff tomorrow." And the aunt's like, "Nope, totally gonna do it anyway." Oh, that, that can't I guess I'll just walk home here in the middle of the night. And the aunt's like, "Okay, good luck." The aunt just randomly lets him walk home in the middle of the night. Nothing, nothing going on there. Yeah, I'm, but, not gonna, I'm not going to call your mom or offer you a ride. Right. So the kid sneaks back into the house again, presumably to kill the aunt, while the uncle comes home. Now, he's had a few to drink. He goes inside, finds the kid, like, lurking in, like, a closet. This is and... my favorite scene of the whole movie, by the way. <laughs> this is the This is the most bizarre scene to me because at this point in time... This child now knows he's from another planet. He's come across the spaceship to which he came to Earth in that is talking to him. He knows he can fly. He knows he has incredible strength. He's crushed a girl's hand and brutally killed her mother. The uncle finds him in the closet and like rips his mask off and is like, what are you doing here, you little shit? What Get the in the car, I'm you... taking you home. What the fuck are you doing hiding in my closet with this creepy-ass mask? And the kid goes, it's not creepy. <laughs> Like, I was dying. Like, 
I don't know if it was intentional humor or not, but Kate and I were just dying laughing. Like this, that is a conversation that you would probably have with the, with your twelve year old nephew if you found him in your closet. If right. he wasn't a fucking murdering alien. But yeah, like, what the fuck are you doing in my closet with this creepy ass mask in the middle of the night? And you Get would in my think, car. Yeah, you would think the kid's like, you know, screw you, laser eyes. I'm gonna chop you. Now. No, and the kid's like, all right, I'll go with you. Cool. Yeah, it's not my creepy. bad. Don't, I made this mask. It's cool. Don't tell my folks. Yeah. And the and that's almost what sets what sets them off is that he tells the uncle, "Don't tell my parents." And the uncle's like, "I'm totally telling your parents, you idiot." Yeah, why wouldn't I? And that's when the kid's like, oh, well, now I have to kill you because I don't want my parents to know. All this top 40 music is so boring. Jeez, I sure wish I had something geeky to listen to. Well, I've got just the thing for you, stranger. Who are you and how did you get in my house? Don't even worry about that. If you're looking for the latest, greatest, and geekiest podcasts around, you should check out Those Geeks You Know. Those geeks you know, wow, three friends talking about comic books, movies, TV shows, all the things that I geek out about. But seriously, you got to leave now. Be sure to check out Those Geeks You Know on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter and tell everybody that you know. You, you got to leave. I called the cops. So the kid brutally murders his uncle in like a, a horrific way. And what I what I did like about this movie is th- it was obvious up front that their intentions were to go horror with this, which I'm not saying I love the choice, but I'm saying I think they executed it very well. I think the horror scenes were done to the point where it definitely makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Like it's a horror scene. It's graphic. There's blood, but it's not over the top. The glass in the eye thing. I could have done that's... without watching that lady pull shards of glass out of her eye like it was a fucking grape or something like see i I I like that i I I liked it but i thought that if you're talking about over the top that and then the face dropping off like yeah so when the uncle so what he does with the uncle is he essentially uses the piss strength to lift the uncle's truck up into the air and then just drop it onto the ground and when he does that the uncle smashes his face on the dashboard and it completely like he melts. loses his jaw, his bottom half jaw of his like, face. Yeah, jaw like melts off. Like like wobbles there. Like, yeah. I thought um, that looked bad CGI wise too. So I laughed. Yeah, it was it wasn't great CGI, but based on their budget, I can't imagine it would have been. But, um it, but it also was, it wasn't it wasn't horrible. I mean no. it was okay. Yeah. And they, they do a great a great uh, choice in production there where the uncle kind of covers it as if he's trying to get his jaw back on his face, mm-hmm. but it essentially just hides the bad CGI for most of the scene. Yeah, no, I agree. I just thought when it like m- melts off, it was weird, but like I did like, so like that scene where the kids like standing in the road and the uncle's car turns on and he sees him and it won't start. He's like, Nope, Nope. <laughs> Fuck you. Nope. <laughs> like that is a conversation that you would really have in that situation. Absolutely. So I, I did like that too. Like I like if my murderous alien nephew had just run into my car at full speed and stopped it from working, and now I see him in the street ahead of me and my car won't stop, I'm saying all of these things to myself, like nope, fuck you, you're drunk, <laughs> fuck you. Start it again, like repeatedly, nope, getting the fuck out of here. I'm just gonna go home and sleep this off because I think I saw something, maybe or, or maybe I'm too drunk or whatever. Right. But like I actually did like that scene. I thought that that was pretty funny. That that dude's whole death scene, that whole sequence of finding him in the closet, 
the awkward conversation and then this that scene I really liked. Yeah, I, I think that was I think it was done pretty well. Um he so he kills the uncle. Uh he puts a symbol, his symbol at both crime scenes when when this happens. Uh the sheriff finds it and simultaneously while the sheriff is piecing this all together like like Sherlock Holmes and approaching the mother with this who has seen him drawing this symbol on his notebooks and stuff. Um, while that's taking place, the father has already come to the conclusion that his alien son is a murderous demon and decided I'm going to kill him. I, I've raised this child for 12 years. And after what I think uh, might be some crimes he's involved in, I'm going to take him out hunting and shoot him in the face. So, and this, I didn't, the thing about this, that I didn't like, is how Elizabeth Banks was like defending the son to the the husband. Mm-hmm. Like if this had just been like a good son thing with like Macaulay Culkin where he was like a normal child and you're like he did all this stuff, I could see you doubting it. But you know he's an alien. You know something's off. He's already crushed the girl's hand. Like it shouldn't have been that far-fetched where Elizabeth Banks was like, "No, fuck you to the husband." Like he didn't do anything. Like she, like the husband's almost doing this on his own. Yeah, I mean, give me, give me a scene where the husband finds the lawnmower, and and she doesn't. Or so, uh, give me something like he knows more than she does, which is why the they don't agree on this. The chickens, yeah. So he he's the one that finds the the uh, uh, Brandon outside the chicken coop prior to the chickens all being slaughtered. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I'm with you. They should either be more on the same page. Like, I'm not saying they have to agree, but don't make it seem like, oh, his idea, which is leading him to murder his son, she can't even fathom. Like, yeah, they're she two complete extremes. She Plus, I also... Even, go ahead. I was going to say, she couldn't even fathom that he, that he had gone to that side, that the father had gone to the side of... We need to do something about this. Right. Like she couldn't even acknowledge that. So I thought that that was really weird because like, you know, you've probably been dating this guy. This kid's 12. Probably been dating the guy for a couple of years before you got married and stuff. So you've been dating him 15, 20 years probably at this point right after he left uh, Pam from the office. But <laughs> like you, you're really like it just seemed like weird to me. Like I feel like she should have been more like let's sit down and talk about this because you might be on to something. Instead right. she's like, no, how dare you think about our child like this like really it's that far that far-fetched and the the other thing is i mean on his side of the argument because the movie's so short and and we're still only about an hour in at this point you get the sense that like man he turned on his son awfully fast like he was he must have just been waiting for a reason to shoot him in the face like oh this is it this is it gotta take him out of the woods they had this planned already and yeah take <laughs> I was, just, I was gonna say like it's just a combination of like the chickens thinking he was a weirdo anyway and then like he immediately blamed him for noah's death mm-hmm. even before the aunt was like yeah he was at our house um so yeah i do i think that like again character development brightburn never went through any he never struggled he never went through any character development he just was bad. And then again with the dad in like this most difficult decision you'll probably ever have to make in your life to turn against your son or realize your son's a monster. It just happens. Like it just yeah. happens. Yeah. I mean, that that's, I think that whoever wrote and directed or had part in this movie, 
Um, I think they had a list of things that they wanted to do, scenes that they wanted to capture, and it was just kind of check, 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 um, without really focusing on the cohesion between them. And um, they go too too quickly from one choreographed scene to the next that there isn't. It's not fluid. It's very blocky. Yeah, it's um, like you're you're jumping from plot point to plot point to plot point, but you're not like planting those seeds. Exactly. And when and when you do, they're blatantly obvious, like the kid getting caught on the ship, right? Or or the mom seeing him draw the signal, the symbol, right? I don't know. I just thought there was you could have like done that nicer or slow more slow or more precise or whatever technique you want to use i just felt like they were like boom 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 like this is the movie so the father takes him out into the woods to go hunting um attempts to shoot him the bullet bounces off he he kills the father and then heads back home which i thought was also corny that cgi with like the face melting and like yeah he he, laser vision or whatever eye lasers the back out of his dad's face um but what kills me is so now at this point the son goes back home to kill the mother like it's evident that he's going back there to kill the mother but what the mother hasn't done anything to this point but defend him i don't see why the son would turn on her because she made the phone call so the sheriff comes over, shows her the symbol. She defends her son. She runs upstairs, finds the notebook. In the notebook is the symbol and then drawings of every death that's occurred so far. In include... in very good detail. Yeah, like good the kid's a freaking artist, yeah. <laughs> like if he doesn't want to be a murderer, he probably has a career as an artist or a graphic designer or something. But Agreed. Drew... So she sees all of this, and then she calls the husband, and without him even answering the phone, like, someone just picks up the phone. She's like, oh, my God, you're right. He's a monster. You're right. He killed all these people. But, and but it here's was the him. thing, though. I don't – she doesn't I, – I, I, that's, that's kind of what I thought, too. I thought maybe he's turning on her because he thinks she's a part of the assassination attempt that the father had. But her phone call to the father isn't, like, bad. She calls him and is like, yeah, he had a part in these murders. We got to do something. Like it, she's not like oh we gotta kill him it's, she's like we gotta we gotta get him help like yeah I I think he takes it as she knows so right somebody else her. knows so I gotta get rid of her so he flies back home and begins terrorizing the mom by like punching holes in the house or something I I mean I'm not sure why she doesn't just he doesn't just kill her some weird but, like teenage angst yeah he's just like yeah. flying in and out of the house and um. She goes running to the barn, surprisingly makes it there, even though he's super fast, and the barn's like 300 yards away from the house. Right. Um, she puts two and two together. The ship can hurt him, grabs a piece of the ship, goes to stab him. She He stops her, and then there's a pretty cool death scene where he basically takes her and brings her up into the sky you know, as high as he can and then lets her go. And then at that point, it's, it's closing credits, which are him, you know, news clippings or, or news segments of this bright burn character going on and doing other bad things. But well, it's it's everything from like destroying a plane full of people to like crop circles. Yeah, that's and that's what I was gonna say. So like he after he drops the mom, which I also wonder if he like he's he's played off as a genius throughout the entire movie, right? Like they right. make a point that he's intelligent there, yeah there's a scene where they're in the diner and the mom says he's in the top one percent 
and the ant says he's in the top one percent of the one percent. Yeah. So like, it's known that he's a genius. So like, don't you think it would have occurred to him that the shift could hurt him? Because he got cut on it, and he was like, "Oh, that cut me." Like, just right. I've never been cut before in my life. Right. right. It's just weird to me. This super genius. Like he he caught his mom trying to stab him, but I feel like he would never have even let her get to the shed because of the barn because like he just wouldn't have done that. But he lets the mom go. The mom's dropping slowly. He looks up and the plane's coming at him. And then that's the end of the movie, right? And then the right. first part of the end, the first part of the credits, the plane's on the ground. It's destroyed. We have a newscast saying, um, "Plane randomly crashed. No one knows why. It killed." Right. The, he plays the, it off like it crashed into the the home and killed the mom killed, and dad. Killed the mom and dad. He was the only survivor. He's just sitting there fucking eating an apple or something. Like, I forget what he's eating. Cookie. No remorse at all. Um, And I don't care that he didn't show remorse, but you would think that, like, with these people around, seeing how your family just died. Yeah, you got to act, bud. 100%. Um, But again, these these are the the, the points where it's like, I don't. I feel like they were checking things off. We got to show the kid that doesn't have a remorse. Okay, let's show him in the background smiling. Not thinking like, why don't we show him having remorse? Because it would make more sense as to why he's a genius. And like, they just, they weren't, yeah, they weren't piecing this together at all. Right. Like he could have played the victim very easily. Um, Yeah. And then they show like buildings and like him destroying all this stuff and then yeah like you said the crop circle he like randomly like burns his symbol in in like a cornfield <laughs> and it just reminded me of the really weird scene from the dark knight rises where batman's like sitting on top of the bridge and burns like the bat symbol in the sky <laughs> and you're like the fuck like there's a bomb in gotham right you don't have time for this like i i get it you got a cool symbol, man. It's your initials and the city you're from because they live in Brightburn, Kansas. Like, I don't know. I thought that that was weird. But I did like how the story continued throughout the credits because it does leave you wondering, are they going to do more? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of potential. And that's why I say, like, this this movie has a really good concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't feel like it was executed well. I do I, have to give a lot of points to the cinematography in this movie. I think the scenes were were done very well. Again, some of the CGI wasn't great, but with, with the budget they had, it doesn't surprise me. I like the fact that it's a horror movie, and a lot of things in the movie are framed around this black and red sort of color scheme to give the illusion of not just you know, nighttime and dark, but also like things are burning like all the time. There's just like this dark amber red and it plays into the bright burn um, uh, name, which I thought was done very well. Yeah, no, I agree. It was the movie, except for like the, like the actual action death scenes, like the, the damage from those scenes, I guess of like eyes and jaws and stuff like the movie looked good otherwise. And it kind of had, Kate and I were trying to figure out the time frame here because it kind of had a Stranger Things 90s kind of feel to it at the beginning because they're in this small town and everything in the house and the and the diner were dated. I mean, that could just be because it's a small town and things are dated. Yeah, um, so the, the movie is set in 2016 is when the uh, spaceship crashes. 2018, so present day um, at the time of the release, is when Brandon goes crazy and kills everybody. 
2006 or 16? You said 16. You mean 6, right? 2006, 2006 is when the spaceship crashes. Okay. So, yeah, it's just a dated kind of old town, which right. is fine. But it that kind of – they did that well. They made mm-hmm. you think this is a small farm town, a small farm people. Like the movie looked good. I just – I don't know. There's – I like that they – I was wondering the whole movie, like, how are they going to have him lose? How are they going to have him – like, is he going to feel bad? You know what I mean? Like, is he going to save, like, a, a baby at the end and, like, he's a good guy now? And I like that they didn't. They said, fuck it, and went, he's fucking villain. Like, he's bad. Like, yeah. he, again, not only killed people he knew that he were he was associated with and had relationships with – but then he made the conscious decision to kill a bunch of – they said like 238 on, on the, people or something yeah, on the plane. plane yeah. the end. So he made the conscious decision to kill hundreds of just completely innocent people, and I really liked that because, again, they went full. If you're going to do this concept, you have to go full, and I like that they went full. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it's funny your comment about um, the Stranger Things feel. Uh, the middle school scenes were shot at Patrick Henry High School in Stockbridge, Georgia. This is the same location for both the Hawkins Middle School and Hawkins High School scenes in season one and two of Stranger Things. Nice. That's also, awesome. uh, the the character's name Brandon Briers is yeah. a play on the Peter well, Parker, uh, oh, Bruce okay. Banner type uh, double letter names thought, of the comic books. I thought you were going to say... Because I think the kid in Stranger Things is Will Byers. Oh, no, I didn't even know that. So that makes sense. And also, like, what's weird about that, too, is, like, it does – all the superheroes, you know, Reed Richards, Bruce Banner, Captain America. No, I'm just kidding. Um, They all have the double initials. But even, like, Clark Kent is C and K, which are right. super similar. So, I mean, they 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 didn't make any secret about the fact that it, it's evil Superman. Right. I mean, he lands in Kansas, same same place Superman lands. The only Um, thing they could have done was put the uh, symbol on his chest and maybe gave him glasses or something. But (laughs) right. Um, Yeah. So I mean, all in all, I think it was a good attempt for a low budget movie, and it's it's. I mean, I didn't hate it. I didn't feel like I wasted an hour and a half. I just I saw again a lot of potential, and I I just I wish they would have executed it a little bit better. It could have been it could have been so good. Yeah, the the concept is great. The thought behind this movie is awesome. I wanted to see it as soon as I found out about it. It's something you have talked about as a child with your friends, as kids. What happens if Superman was bad, man? What what if who would stop him? We've seen it in the comics a few times. Bizarro or like Brainiac gets a whole, something happens where he's not good for a little while. Right. And how difficult that would be to stop him. Um so I, it's, that concept is great. I just – you said the execution just wasn't there. The character development wasn't there. At the end of the day, I didn't give a shit about any of the people. And you should have felt bad when he killed his mom. You should have felt bad when he killed his aunt. I just didn't give a shit. The only person I wasn't going to feel bad about was the girl's mom because she was kind of bitchy anyway. <laughs> um, but – oh, can we talk about that awkward puberty conversation too? Um, so <laughs> so the father, upon finding the uh, the dirty magazines under his son's mattress – And decides- gun. It's like dirty. It's like girls in bras and panties, and then like biology, anatomy, anatomy, intestinal tracts. 
And that's the other thing. So there, he has this ongoing thing throughout the movie where he's like cutting his victims open at the stomach. He does it with the mom. He does it with a couple of the um, chickens, I believe, as well. But they don't really go into detail as to why that is or why the anatomy parts were found with the girly mags. I mean, I understand the whole premise of like, oh, this kid's really like messed up where he's kind of getting off to like the anatomy stuff. But it just it felt really awkward. Yeah, Not I- as awkward as the next scene where the father tries to have the puberty talk with the son, which they did not hold back on that either. No. First, I, I was wondering if they were going to do something where, like, the the intestines, like, something in the intestine gives him, like, strength or power or, or something, like, almost like a like a parasite that has to feed. Like, I thought they might do something like that, but they didn't. He, he just likes intestines. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't have boys. I have girls. You have... Two boys. I have two boys, yes. I would imagine that when this conversation comes up in a few years... I'm going to have it the exact same way his father is. Yeah, this is not how you're going to go about it. Like... (laughs) The father basically says, like, yeah, you're going to get hair in strange places, and it's okay to touch your penis. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what? Touch your penis and go for it. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to go for it, son. Touch your penis not about doing sex it's about and, finding someone you love and then having sex and the son's like right now oh, yeah. no not not right now and that was super weird too right because he's like he's like oh you want me to touch it right now and i'm like what the fuck what am i watching like we're, this is about to take a really weird turn I like i know the point was to make it an awkward conversation but i felt like it went too far like too awkward. It, yeah i mean again horny what they were checking off the list is we need to have an awkward puberty conversation, but also during the conversation, the father makes several very vague references to like, sometimes you just got to like, let it out and just, you know, go up with your instinct. And he's, he's like encouraging the son to like give in to this, this demon ship. But again, I mean, at this point you already kind of feel like the son is bad shit crazy anyway. So you're like, yeah, he's already done that. You're not really pushing him over the edge, which is what I think the intention was, was like the father should feel some guilt for telling his son to, to have at it. Yeah. It's weird because he ended up going to that girl's house, but like the, like this could have been a scene. Like, so there's a few scenes I felt like where they could have really built relationships, like the dad showing him, how to work on the, the farm or mm-hmm. like there were scenes where he was showing them how to like, they were taking turns with chores this, they're hunting together. Mm-hmm. He's tracking deer. Like show me that, show me how the dad taught him that because he's just track. He's just tracking deer and they're going like, you could have used this, these scenes because I understand you want to do an hour and a half. So make the most of your scenes when you have a situation like this, build that relation you don't need a three-hour movie to do character development right you could have meaningful dialogue or meaningful things happen so that when he does turn and kill the dad we feel bad or we care the only conversations the dad ever had with him were super fucking awkward or like yelling at him yeah what'd you do you little shit yeah there was no bonding at all so I don't know. I just felt like those were wasted opportunities, and this was one of them because it would have been cool. He got the gun for his 12th birthday from Noah, so that would have been cool to be like, Dad, let's go hunting with my gun. Teach me how to hunt. Be a fucking dad. Right. And then people would have cared. The audience would have cared later 
when he killed the dad. He would have been like, oh, the dad taught him all that stuff. Like, that was his dad. Like, no wonder he didn't fucking care because he didn't have a relationship with his mom or dad. Like, no wonder he didn't care about killing them. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a wasted opportunity. Um, so what I usually do in one of my segments is I like to have – I've developed five questions um, that I think apply to most movies that – I want to ask everybody that comes on the show. So for you, Dave, we're going to be asking this about 2018's Bright Burn. Uh, question number one, what aspects of the storytelling do you think were done right and what aspects were done wrong and who do you give credit to? So I think showing him as powerful was done right. We obviously know this dude's all powerful. They give you glimpse throughout the movies that he's not right in the head that he's kind of fighting an urge to kind of go the other way with it. Um, and, and to touch his penis. And to touch his penis. Like, um, so I think that those things are done very well. Um, I think developing it, the horror genre, making this a horror movie, was done well. I think that going full, because like we said, you have to for this kind of movie, that was done well. But like overall dialogue was bad. Uh, character development other than him going full was bad um so i i blame the director you're basically handed this awesome story and i gotta think that what was written by the guns that wrote it was probably pretty good and then his job is to tell that story see i i disagree i i think i think the director definitely holds some some uh, responsibility for the outcome of the movie. But I think based on the script and how it seems very blocky, it seems very, you know, checking things off a list that we have to have this scene. We have to have that scene. Plus, plus, I mean, James Gunn, even if he did help with this, which I got to assume he did, he's not a writer. I mean, he's a director. So he might've been approaching it from a director's point of view of scene after scene after scene. Like, yes, you have to have this scene. You have to have that scene. So, I, I agree with you on what's right and what's wrong, but I think the credit needs to go more towards the writers and the director. James Gunn actually has written a ton of stuff. Really? Anything yeah. to note? Yeah. So like 13 Ghosts, which I really liked. He was a screenwriter for that. He wrote mm. the Scooby-Doo from 2002, which is what it is. Dawn of the, De- <laughs> the, Dawn of the Dead in 2004. The remake. The remake, yeah. The, so, other, I mean, the other Scooby-Doo movie. Um, Slither, which he also directed. Slither's good. I'll give him that one. He gets. Uh, I haven't seen Super. I'd like to. Um, that's kind of another his take on a superhero movie. It's got some big actors in it. Movie Forty Three, which we've talked about with Casey a bunch, like either loved or you hated. He wrote the Guardians. He's credited with writing the Belko experiment, which if you haven't seen, is really cool. I have not seen that. Do you know what? It, do you know what it is? Uh, I do not. It's got some good actors in it, though. Yeah. It's a social experiment. They basically lock people into, like, an office building, and they, and a voice tells them that, like, you have to, if you want to live, you got to oh, kill someone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that. like, it's a really interesting concept, and I actually liked it. So he has some writing chops to him. So I would just, I'd like to see what the script looked like versus the finished product, like, what came out of it, what the director cut, what, things like that. Um... Because the concept is there, just the ex. And, and so I guess that's my thing. We're all saying that it wasn't executed well. We're both saying this. Mm-hmm. To me, the execution falls on the director. 
that's why I blame the director. Yeah, I I think I think it's going to depend on the actual movie as to who has more control. I mean, you look at any of the Marvel movies, the directors have no control in that. Marvel comes in and says, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to film. Um, yeah, I, I disagree, though. I think that... Oh, 100%. 100%. You can... I'm, I'm telling you, especially later on in the series, when they had, like, an established arc, um, not so much in the early, the first Iron Man or, or the Hulk, for sure, but... I think you... I think they give them, like, main bullet points and things like that, but they still have to make the movie. Like... You right, still have I have to put I think, the product together. I think the director definitely holds responsibility for the end product. It's just a matter of like what percent, you know. And I think when you look at a Marvel movie, that percent's probably lower than when you look at a movie like this, or you know, a movie where they're given more of a blank check and free reign. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I I guess I agree to disagree. Like, I do. Agree, I don't think they get disagree. as much control over the marvel movies they still like you still have to draw character traits out of people you still have to build that character up like you still have to make people care they can say thanos is going to be the bad guy this is going to happen this is going to happen this is going to happen but you still have to be able to make us care if that makes sense no 100 percent, 100 percent. um question two the biggest unanswered question for you about this movie is what biggest unanswered question is how do you stop him and yes, or maybe his goal. I think his goal, take the world, like that's pretty vague. Um, but yeah, like how do, you, how do you stop him? Like where do we go from here? And I love that they left us there. You know what I mean? We're like, we don't know. The only weakness he was shown was the ship. And by all means, if we think about it, the plane crash could have destroyed the ship. And he might have even done that on purpose. So, right. Well, I mean, he is, he is such a genius and he knows the ship can hurt him. You would think the logical thing to do after killing your mother and destroying the family farm would be to take the ship and like throw it out into space or something. Um, personal connection is important. Was there anything that happened in the movie that reminded you of a real life story that happened to you? <laughs> no, I've never, I've never gotten ridiculous superpowers and uh, started murdering innocent people for fun. Not, I, not I even, even when you were like a wild teenager. Feel like so. I gotta ask, what, what was no, the never, puberty never talk you got? I did. It, I, I just wish that I wish they would have had him bullied more because then yes, I didn't get much. You, you don't know my parents. Like I didn't, I didn't get much of a puberty talk at all. I kind of had to figure it out on my own. Still, still trying to figure it out, huh? Uh, I did all right. I got two kids. That's true. That's true. Okay. Question number four. But you put it work. Put it work goes. <laughs> just um, right now. In a little bit. Uh, question yeah, number four, what is the most important sequence in the movie? The end. Because to me, he decides he's a supervillain. He decides he's killing everyone close to him, and he decides that he's killing innocent people. Before so, that, everyone had, he had a relationship with everyone he hurt. So, like, so you're, to me, you're the saying there was a reason. Mom, dad, and innocent people. Yeah. There's no reason to kill the innocent people, and you decided to. So to me, that's taking it to the next level. Uh, question number five, if you could recast two roles in the film, what roles would they be? Who would you recast in them, and why? The dad. I don't really know what actor, but someone who could pull off being a dad and <laughs> help us help make that relationship mean something. Uh, I mean, he lost his fiance to Jim Helper, so why not bring John Chris, Chris, Krasinski? Krasinski in as the dad in this movie? Yeah, there you go. like just someone who I just felt like that. I, I felt like there was no father son relationship. So that role and. I mean, there's only like five roles in this entire fucking movie. There's like five characters. Um, I thought the kid was good. Elizabeth Banks was good. 
Like I didn't mind her. I don't. I don't know about a second one. Maybe the aunt. I'm wondering if she, is she a producer on it? Like, why did she do this movie? Because I mean, she's she's bigger than this. James movie. Gunn. Yeah, I mean, same. I mean, Michael Rucker makes a whatever his name is is the Infowars guy at the end. Like, they're all James Gunn people. Yeah, but he's That's in it for like five at. seconds. I think she's a nerd. I think she likes this kind of stuff because she's in like geeky stuff. And I think she thought it could be an interesting project, honestly. Like, she's not as big as you think. Like, she's big, but she's not, like, big, big. But she's by far the biggest actor in the, sh- in the movie. I mean, I would consider her I, A-list. I wonder if she's – I don't know if I consider her. I think she's – if she's A-list, she's, like, bottom, bottom of the A. I mean, she's been around forever. She's that person in every movie that you've seen. You know what I mean? Like, she's yeah, in for everything. Sure. Like, um, she did Power Rangers. Like, she makes some weird choices. She does. Yeah, Power Rangers was a big, a big one for her. Uh, Hunger Games. Like – there's some every time there's like three or four big movies, Hunger Games, but then there's every little secret, and then there's Lego Movie, and then there's little accidents, faces in the crowd. Like she just does. I think she takes any role people offer her. She just wants to work. So one of the other segments we love to do on this show is called Guess That Tomato, where I have my guests guess the audience rating for the movie. The movie being 2018's Bright Burn. Um, you're gonna guess the audience rating. And then I'm going to give you some clues and you'll get a chance to refine your guess based on those clues. So Dave Lee, what is the audience ranking percent wise? 53. That's, that's your guess. 53 is my guess. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you two hints. I'm going to give you the critic score, which usually means absolutely nothing because in a lot of cases, the critic score is almost completely different from the audience score. Which for this movie is a 57%. I'm also going to give you three other movies that are within 2% of this score. So plus or minus 2%. These three movies are within the okay. same same area as Brightburn. Movie number one, Zombieland Double Tap. Movie number two, Extraction. Have you Did you see Extraction? I want to, but I have not seen it. That is a great movie. I, I strongly recommend it. It's very Michael Bay. Um, you know, explosions, a uh, bit of a better storyline than most of his movies have uh, as far as context goes, but it's pretty good. Um, and then movie number three, Alien Covenant. So those three movies are but all that within... That movie's not Michael Bay. It's the Russo brothers, right? Correct, but it's got a Michael Bay kind of style to right, it. With sorry, just... I'm trying to fix this. Um, Like that Ryan Reynolds movie we all watched. Yeah, that was what, uh, um, Underground 6 or 6 Underground or something like that? 6 Underground, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I don't know what any of those movies are rated for Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but I got to think Extraction's decently high. I, I'll give it a 68. Is that your final guess? That's my final guess. The actual audience score for Bright Burn on Rotten Tomatoes is 67%. Dave, that was incredible. You're within 1%. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pipe uh, in some know, audience applause I'm right now. I'm in the top 1% of the 1%. <laughs> thank you thank you you love me you really really love me Dave, i know a thing or two about movies you know? it has been a pleasure talking about bright burn with you um d- decent movie overall i think i'd probably give it about a 65 percent. i mean it held my attention at no point was i about to turn it off but again missed opportunity yeah i think i'd go 70 because i mean it's better than average it's like a c to me C, C plus. So like that's a 
70. Um, it is a firm belief of the owners and operators of Don't Forget a Towel that everybody geeks out on something. While it might not be movies and comic books, it may be you know gardening and, and murdering people in your local well, town. I've never done this before. So, <laughs> Dave, if you could tell the audience members what it is you're geeking out on right now. Oh, um, I've never done this before and always wanted to. I am currently geeking out on the NFL being back. Uh, fantasy football is my second probably biggest geekdom. So is sports, uh, the Lakers and the NBA finals. Um, I'm not really reading much right now. I'm watching a ton of TV with my wife, Netflix, um, just absolutely running through trashy reality TV shows. And then we're going to start Ozark season three because we haven't watched that yet. We've been waiting for it. So I'm excited to geek out on that. I appreciate your time. Take care. No problem. Thanks for having me. Okay, DVD quick. is skipping. You need to go through the R, F, R, RTI machine. Sorry. Oh, God. I, I, just, I went in there the other day when they were from the big sale, and they had the same uh, machine there 10 years later. Yeah. Um, 